Welcome to episode 330 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me wearing his obligatory scary hat. Oh. <laughs> Russell John, the fisherman. Yeah, you faked me out there. You've become synonymous with your hat now. I, uh... There's something going on with my hairline that I'm not like loving. Oh, would and one say it would be receding? No, I don't know. Everybody tells me no. Oksana, is it receding? No. Okay. Well, what else does a hairline do? Well, the thing is, I think the first time I wore the hat, it bestowed its curse upon me, and I was getting weird like hairline acne. Like I was getting ah. red up there, and I'm like, well, I feel like the only way to cover this up is with the hat. Let me ask you this. So, you know, when we have Randy on here, I want to look do good. You, do you, how do you wash your face? Uh, cold, warm water, towel. I don't do anything else. You I I was doing a moisturizer for a, a, a brief minute. Yeah. I got one of those like obligatory kind of like half-hearted gifts during Christmas. Yeah. And I was using it, but I started, I don't know, I started feeling weird with it. It felt like oily. Like there's a lot. Well, you gotta wash your face and then yeah. moisturize. I was doing the reverse. I, I do the Neutrogena face wash every day, and then I use, uh, I'm alternating between my facial moisturizers. You have a plethora of products on your fucking counter. How do you think I look so <laughs> young, baby girl? I don't know what kind of chemicals you got pumping through you with all that shit. There's a lot. Like, you have a large counter that you could put two sinks in there. It's completely covered. Yeah, I mean, what do you want me to do? I think, I, honestly, I don't think you actually have that much maintenance. It's a lot of ordering shit, trying it, and then abandoning it. Well, you know, variety is the spice of life, my friend. You do. You have a lot of name brands in there, though. Let me tell you something right now. I bought some deodorant this morning, <laughs> and I can't get it to work. <laughs> which is a very odd statement. How? It won't... The, it's got a little twisty at the bottom. It's not a rolly. It's a you twist the whole bottom. Yeah. And uh it's stripped. It doesn't fucking move. It's like a push up push pop. It is a push pop. And let That's me tell you something, weird. it ain't pushing or popping. Yeah, those didn't always work either. So I, I can feel it. Also joining us is Oksana Valerianova Osachi. Oksana. Hi. How are we today? Feeling good. I don't know. It's not that hot yet, so I'm not complaining. No, it's going to be a nice, uh, like, 68 degrees or something today. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us from Atlanta, Georgia, wearing a beanie today is Randy Michael Stat. That's me. We all got hats on, guys. I think mine's called a skull cap. A skull <laughs> cap? I think that's what they call beanies. Well, I know that skull caps, it's indicative of a... Uh, sporting situation. Like, for example, I'm doing that. <laughs> when I was in high school, I lacerated my cornea. And so my doctor told me that uh, when I got back on the field, which means when you dressed up and I went back to the bench, um, <laughs> and because I was going to sweat regardless because it's August in Mississippi. Um, I needed to keep sweat out of my eyes, so he recommended that I wear a skull cap. So I was the white boy who oh, wore a yeah. skull cap. Look, did, who? Yeah, I, I felt like I was trying to do a Ray Lewis impersonation. <laughs> you got to go headband. No, the headband was too thick with the football helmet. Oh, I yeah. tried it. Oh, Believe yeah. me, I wanted to go headband all the way. I'm pro headband. It's funny having uh, grown up an avid basketball fan. 
I was kind of shocked when I actually had used one before. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, these were great. I always thought it was a fashion thing. I don't know. Let me tell you something. I think I got into sports because of the accessories. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I played basketball, I insisted that I wear Converse shoes. No one was wearing Converse shoes. I had high top, I had high socks that went to my knees and I wore head. Hell yeah. Did you play? No. Okay. <laughs> I scored three points my seventh grade basketball. I shot. I a played for one year in sixth grade. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. I, I wasn't love, good. <laughs> I love basketball. I think, I think all kids enjoy basketball. I think it's the easiest sport to just go mm -hmm. and play. And when you score, it's rewarding. It's pretty simple to learn the basics of just how to do it. Um, I think, I don't know. I think basketball is a winner. It's a really easy pickup game too. Yeah. Yeah. That was the problem with baseball. I think that's why I never got into it. You need you need a lot of space. Yeah. Well, we had a we had a couple of fields by our house, but not enough kids. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like uh, we could play catch, or we could just be running and grabbing a ball all day. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. So it was like, eh. yeah. It to the organization with a basketball game and the organization of a baseball game are very different situations. It's it's more of an effort with baseball because, you know, catching and things like that. Yeah, but now that I'm old and I don't run ever, I'm way more uh, inclined to play like two-hand touch football. Like stand there, throw it, and like a little bit of intermittent running. Like I, at this <laughs> at this juncture, I, am I have full awareness yeah. of my age and my physicality. I wouldn't go anywhere near it. Oh, really? Oh, I would, I would tear something immediately. Oh, it'd be immediately. fun. Immediately. <laughs> No, it'd be good. No, no, no. I'd pull a groin. Guts would be on the ground. Be all time or no, be no, like no, the dude. quarterback for your team. No, I would disembowel myself. <laughs> it would. Yeah. No, no, no. Again, I am speaking from a position where I did hurt my, I tore a tendon playing two hand. So. Oh, it's yeah. No good. I'd still go back. I'd Tom Segura myself. <laughs> <laughs> dude, when that happened to him, I'm like, oh. Nope. Yeah. See, but that's the problem. Like, I, when you get older, all it takes is like an injury, and that haunts you forever. Yeah. I'm, I'm really yeah. trying to. I'm trying to live the other direction now, dude. You saw that fall. It was yeah, horrendous, but, dude. But that's like what all anxiety is. It's like the fear of what could be or what was. I'm like, I'm trying but to. You see him go up for the dunk. You hear a snap. Yeah, but that. Oh man. And then he snaps his arm in half. No, I heard him talking about that, and I think it was the other. Where it's kind of like you've done a thing all day and you're really tired and you're going for one more and you're half-hearted, but you try to push it. Like, that's that's what you learn. Like, don't do that anymore. Because he was fine all day. What's Honestly, that was a freak fucking accident. No, but that's too. the thing, though. That's what sports does, though. It can turn that side of you <laughs> on. You know what I mean? I think Especially when you're competitive, when you have a competitive yeah. nature, which he clearly does. I think it, it was more driven by his podcast and, like, doing good content for them i think a hundred percent but also you know he's a driven individual so it that stuff goes hand in hand <sighs> at was, least uh at least his clip made it into charlotte's net that's because <laughs> <laughs> it was worthy oh we could probably make a like junior charlotte's net and just take things like that dude no sports injuries are rough man yeah they are um last week uh, actually two weeks ago um one of the guys for my college baseball team i follow um he got hit in the face oh what yeah so fastball came it deflected Jesus. off his helmet okay i was gonna ask and then hit his eye and he went down 
face down in the dirt, didn't move. Oh. And you heard it hit his helmet. And the first thing, obviously, head injury. Like, you get hit in the head. With, people have died. Yeah, for sure. You know, line drives straight in the head. Like, it's that's all bad news. Uh, but, you know, fortunately, his eye was fine, and uh, he's actually playing this weekend, so um, he's good. But, yeah, he got a pretty bad cut, had six stitches below his eye. Damn. Yeah. Have you ever been hit by a fastball? I've been hit by a baseball bat. No. You've been hit by a bat? Where? Yeah. In the face? Uh, yeah. It was aluminum. I hit myself in the head with a baseball <laughs> okay. bat. No, I'm not joking. <laughs> How? Uh, because, uh, when you're young and you're dumb and you have a giant bin at your friend's house full of basketballs and you have no more tennis balls because they're gone, you start teeing off with the basketballs. Sure. Eventually you get down to the one that you never use, which is a semi deflated rubber one, mm-hmm. or I mean like leather. It came right back at me and, uh, it hit me in the head. I instantly felt it swelling and I stumbled across the street to my parents and they're like, Oh, just don't go to bed. <laughs> There's not yeah. much else you can do. That's true. Horrifying. I was just like, it was one of those moments where like, oh, I just changed my life forever. And then I can't even remember how long it took to heal or whatever. Yeah. Well, I've, that's something we have in common. I've also had severe head trauma. Damn I it. fell out of a grocery cart when I was four years old. Really? Yep. <laughs> Concussed. I, I blacked out. I woke up. I had peed myself. In the grocery <laughs> store? Yeah. Where, where was the parent? No, I was in the cart, oh. and she was pushing the cart. And I jumped out of the cart and landed on my head. Oh, okay. Yeah. That seems like something you do. Correct. Yeah. I, you know, I, I really shouldn't bring this up because I don't know anything about it. But I got a push notification about a football player being hit by a car and dying. Yeah. Starting quarterback. Dwayne Haskins. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, he's 24. What's he doing walking around? He's got money. No, he was in a car. Oh, I he was believe. in a car. Yeah. Okay. And he was hit by another car. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I also have a car-related injury to bring up later, which is a good segment for something we're not going into. (laughs) Very sad. Segue. Before Um, we get too far, I got something I have to mention, which will uh, automatically anger Clark. Oh, great. Here we go. (laughs) Tonight, a couple hours after this, I will be going down the street to go see Henry Rollins speak into a microphone (laughs) for probably about 90 minutes, and it's going to be great. Where's he doing it? Like a coffee shop? A variety playhouse. It's a decent size venue. I saw OCs there. <laughs> Is he on a tour? Yeah, he's on a tour. He's been doing this for a while, though, right? Uh, yeah, at least, I don't know, eight years, maybe longer, ten years. What kind of merch does Henry Rollins sell just on his own? I don't know. That's a good question. I'll let but, you know if he has any shirts. What's the name of the tour? I also don't I'm, know that. I'm a bitch. Oh, God. Henry Rollins. <laughs> hey, in a related story, uh, Terrell came over last night. We were hanging out, and he had a black flag shirt on. It didn't say black flag, though. What did it say? Oh, boy. You got to oh, guess? I've seen that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's I a band. Yes, I'm not saying it. Dude, I mean, that must be the most used like logo ever. Oh, yeah. For like boutique shirts and shit. His particular shirt last night, which I think he owns multiple black flag uh, designs. Dude, I have a I have a black flag knockoff shirt. What is it? Hank Hill. <laughs> That's right. I remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah, his was Sidney Prescott. And in each of the four little rectangles, it had a different picture of her from a different movie. I wonder if it's the band because there's a band with that name or if it's just a shirt that is. It's, it's the movie. Related. It's Scream. There's a band called Sidney Prescott? No, called the name that was on Terrell's shirt. 
Oh. But that that it did say Sydney Prescott. Oh, I thought you were saying that black and then they changed the second word. Oh, no. <laughs> Cuz I came to mind cuz I've seen I've seen oh, yeah. the band with that yeah. name. I'm not yeah. I'm not digging into that, but nope. if if you know, you know. <laughs> We've had to put your sound effects in too many episodes <laughs> <No>. recently. <laughs> All right, you you guys ready to let our guest in? Uh, yeah. Let's uh, what's the office poll looking like today? We should do betting. You know, sports are back. We should do this. Coffee, coffee, weekend work train. All right, the train, weekend projects. Uh, the real thing is, are we getting political? He didn't get political last week. So you think he's done? I think he's done. All right, that's honestly that is a fair. Will point. Smith yeah. ended the war in Ukraine. <sighs> he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> He started a new war against Hollywood, and Randy's really bummed about it. That's why me and Randy met uh, without you knowing, and we're, we're trying to revive Hollywood with my noir segment, uh, Will which Smith, will be returning. <laughs> Will Smith banned from the Oscars for 10 years. That's such bullshit. He'll be back in five yeah. with good yeah. behavior. Yep. He'll be back the minute they want him back, which yeah. will be, yeah. I mean, what are they going to do when Bad Boys 5 comes out? <laughs> you think you think they'll do another? I mean, they got to give him an Oscar for that. <laughs> We'll talk about that. We got Oscar later. talk coming up too later. Hey, okay, a lot right. going on today. De La Hoya. Oh my God. I'm, All right. I'm surprised you know who that is. All right. Y'all ready? Do it. All right. Let's let them in. Good morning. It's April 9, 2022, and it's a Saturday. Today, day one of weekend projects. The fun work train will be running continuously. And please take advantage of the dining car where you will find fine food, treats, <laughs> and always find fresh coffee. Right. And treats. And if you happen to get up to the observation car, you will also notice in the distance, per usual, many people working for peace. Okay. Everyone, oh, good dude. have a great day. <laughs> I, he heard us. He he only did that because he heard I mean, us that's, that's just a, that's just a little kiss. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I could I could live with that, especially if there's treats on the car now. Traits. <laughs> I don't know why. I look forward to that every week when he comes I don't, in here. He never talks about food. He never talks about movies. So that's on. That's also. <laughs> it's also yeah, music. We haven't heard a lot, a lot of music talking to him. What so. What's up with that? With like you know the the Crispin Glover type, like the artist <laughs> who you'd actually like to know what they think about film because they have such an interesting perspective. They just want to do like we'll talk about my music music project or here's a book I wrote. Yeah, it's like dude, no. Although I should read those books, he did sign them for us too. Actually, It'll take you all of an hour, dude. Hanging out with Crispin Glover for two days, which uh, you know I had the opportunity through the Alamo because it helped him out. We, me and Oksana, sold his books. <laughs> Chill, dude. We even he even signed somebody's leg so they could get a tattoo. And he was before he was just like, just so you know, I don't agree with tattoos, and I don't think you should do this. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you're chill, Don Coscarelli. Oh man, it took a it took a hour and a half for that dude to flip on me. Isn't he a giant dude? He's a giant too. But he started bossing me around and I was just like, full, I'm a volunteer. Did you check him? No. 
You got to check him. Dude. No, he's a giant. He didn't Fuck like my him. handwriting. He didn't like your handwriting. <laughs> he didn't like I was too soft with the crowd. I'm like, hey, dude, I'm normally in that line. So I know how to like talk to them. Yeah. Not happy with that. He wanted me to be firm and mean. And I was like, oh, you don't know who you're talking to. Uh, I'd look at that bitch in the face and say, look, <laughs> Bubba Hotep was overrated. Oh, he's kind of scary. Okay. Yeah. You, you ruined Elvis for me. Thank uh, you very much. That wouldn't have been good because they were showing Bubba Hotep at the time at the Alamo. Bubba Hotep's fine. It's, it's never I, seen it. I agree. It's fine. It's kind of like an old comedy that your dad's really into, and you're yeah. like, you're like, I get it, but like, it doesn't speak to me in any way. No. And Bruce Campbell, I don't know. I, I mean, I love him, and I just am not interested in watching him. Uh, while we're talking about um, the great Elvis Presley, have you seen the trailer for the aforementioned Elvis? No. I'm in. Who Who's playing him? Uh, Austin, um, I can't think of his last name. If only Stone we had Cold? people who could look it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, very Powers. handsome. Wildly handsome. I mean, looks just like Elvis. Oh. Pull, pull up some screenshots. Uh, Elvis. Baz Luhrmann's doing it. So it's Ew. going to be terrible. I want to be very clear. And also Tom Hanks is playing Colonel Tom Parker. So Wait a minute. And he's going full into it. Wait a minute. I think I was in a theater with you when they showed this trailer. Am I wrong? Maybe. Yeah, Austin Butler. Oh. He looks kind of lame. Dude. Just as himself. <laughs> he looks very lame in like, you know, when he's walking the street. But a fat Tommy Hank. <laughs> dude, as, as Colonel Tom Parker. Dude, I'm dude, he looks good. Tommy Hank looks scary though. I don't know. Fat him, he looks evil. He's also doing a good voice. I'm in. I'm in. Uh do we get an actual singing performance out of this movie? Oh, yeah. or? I think so. Yeah, okay. It's a musical. It's almost three hours long. I mean, are we doing like a piped in, like this is the actual recording? Or I don't gonna... know if he's doing his, I don't know if he's singing himself. Well, you know, you again, uh, changed my mind on the biopic and you've convinced me that the whole point of a biopic is for a, uh, an actor to kind of get their, their light doing a performance. hundred percent. And I don't know anything about this full Austin Butler. He was in a TV show. Do we want to root for him? Oh, you know what he was in? He played Tex in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. He's also in The Dead Don't Die, which now as a horror fan, I got excited because I'm always looking for a horror movie. And then I realized what it was. Yeah, scroll down. Scroll down. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah, not great. And no good. He was in The Carrie Diaries, which is a prequel to Sex in the City. I, whoa, I was thinking Stephen King. I was like, how did I miss Sad. that? Far apart. Yeah. <laughs> Well, wasn't the original Carrie like written as kind of like found footage literature? Did you ever check that out? No. Yeah, I didn't either. But I remember somebody telling me like, hey, you should go look at that because it's it's written kind of like medical files or something. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. You skipped his yoga hosers uh, appearance. Oh, there, oh, there you go. Boy. There's the horror movie. All right. Burying the lead. <laughs> I think the one time I didn't have fun at the Little Roxy out here was seeing <laughs> yoga. Hose. Actually, I did have fun, but like. No, I take it back. I had that fun. was miserable. It was a it was a fucking dumb movie. I was angry and confused. <laughs> <laughs> Our original uh, podcast name, man. <laughs> what a that was a long time ago. When was Yoga Hosers? Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Wow, that felt way long. Wait, it's eight years ago. No, nope. Six <laughs> years ago, right? Correct. That's still too long. Yeah. Oh, I don't like time. time That's why I ignore it. That's why I just learned how to read a calendar a week ago. I don't mind. All right. 
Uh, Russell John, the fisherman, has right. a new segment, which he rolled out last week. May I say, a very strong start. And really? I think that we've got a smashing success story on our hands. Do you remember what it's called? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you wanna, Why don't you go ahead and come on, hit, that, come on. hit that stinger? No, give me a shot at the title. All right, I'll play the stinger to buy you some time, and then we'll go into the, the official name. Sure. All right, here we go. When you boil it all down, what does a man really need? Just a smoke and a cup of coffee. <laughs> so good. Take it from there. All right, what's the title? Guns Western and Noir. Coffee. Guns and Coffee or Western Noir? Guns and Coffee is not bad. That's actually pretty That's fucking pretty cool. <laughs> Damn it. No, it's uh, Ombre de la Désert. Ombre dans le désert. Nailed it. Oh, I fucked it up. She always corrects me. Um, so last week, dude, I was so pumped to do this thing. I had been reading the book, The Western Noir at Work, and I'm burning through it. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'd be here right now if I didn't like just love film theory in particular. And this book does a great job. I love the way that they roll things out. And uh, last week, the movie we covered was just so good. And I it, like it was fucking yellow sky. Like it was just genre blending and like fun to watch. And it's one of those things where you go back to the 40s and you're like, dude, try and sell like a Gen Z kid on watching a movie from the 40s. And I think you could do that uh, this week. I, I don't know if I would even try. It's very uh, Western, very sweepy. And I mean, like, as in the music, like that grandiose kind of very emotional score. But uh, I realized when I was getting ready for this that I mostly want to do this just to talk about the fucking directors. So this week, uh, I went back to a director who I'm thinking Randy might know. Do you know uh, Raul Walsh? I know the name, but again, I can't name a title off the top of my head. Yeah, it's interesting. And uh, I'm going to spend most of this time, I'm going to keep it short talking about that dude. But the movie I covered, uh, Pursued, is from 1947. IMDb reads, A boy haunted by nightmares about the night his entire family was murdered is brought up and is brought up by a neighboring family in the 1880s. He falls in... Um, he falls for his lovely adopted sister, but his nasty adoptive brother and mysterious uncle want him dead. Uh, it's a fucking, this movie's a trip. But to really understand how deep this weird and dark like family drama is, you got to know a little bit more about Raul Walsh, which is not his real name. I thought about doxing him, but uh, I, I decided not What's to. his real name? Nigel Bach? I know, right? Uh, yeah, it clearly reads as not a real name. Um, also, I teased last week that his profile picture, uh, you know, presented him in an eye patch. At the time, I hadn't read anything in this book about him, so I was like, "Oh, I'm interested to know." They don't mention it. <laughs> like, here, I know, I know, you all can't see it in the in the podcast world, but you two oh, can. Oh, that's my guy. It's a very prominent patch, and he looks fucking cool. So I looked that up. Uh, basically, what happened to his eye? Um, he got into a car accident in 1928. Oh, so they just, <laughs> he was in the first car accident. Dude, right? I'm like, dude, I woke up today and I'm like, a quarterback got killed by a car? And then I read this and I'm like, what does a car accident look like in 1928? Right, you're going about four miles an hour. <laughs> and he fucking lost his right eye. Like, what happened? Did he fall and land on a hoof? Like, <laughs> like, like, I don't understand 
Like I can't even imagine. Yes, because at that like. time all cars were being <laughs> hauled by horses. Oh, I, in my in my mind's eye, uh, it was a car wrecking with a horse because clearly not yeah. everybody was driving around in 100%. a car. So yeah, he he lost the eye and started rocking an eye patch, and uh, he got the nickname the One Eyed Bandit. Love it, right? And it's like, who the fuck would want to be called that? Well, uh, to understand a little bit about Raul antagonist Walsh, and Home Alone. Well, he was a uh, so. He's got chops, and a lot of this book will talk about how he's broadly ignored by critics at the time, because he didn't really fit into the auteur theory. And, you know, back then, everybody was falling in love with Charlie Chaplin, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Alfred Hitchcock, and it was kind of fun to go through Busty their- Busty Keats? Well, and their catalog. You could you could kind of learn about the, the creator from their movies and kind of like the messages they had. Well, Roll was a studio guy who didn't do any of that, and he did- every kind of film and when people would go over him there's no like through line like you know you couldn't really find anything out about him so they kind of ignored him he never got nominated for an oscar which they uh yell about in this fucking book because he's got some highly praised movies and he's got chops this fool he was the assistant to fucking randy's favorite director w uh dw griffith who uh you know did birth of a nation which birth of a nation which now i think he would have no career but at that time i mean that fool created the way you tell stories with a camera so this motherfucker he's just like versatile he when he was 15 his mom died and you know what his dad told him he couldn't get over it. he was a mama's boy his dad said you know what you need to do go get some adventure in your life you need to travel so he fucking goes to Mexico and starts herding cattle back and forth across the border illegally. Tight. Yeah, it's it, it a different world. America was very different at this time. I'm going to think about doing that. And uh, people always say, <laughs> I mean, please sign me up too. I'm telling you, I almost signed up for like some local pro wrestling out here. What? I'm inspired. What do you mean? Look at to perform. Yeah, to do it. You're an idiot. I'm. I. You know, my heart. Russell, you're fat and my, old. <laughs> Stop. My heart is full of adventure, Clark. And, you're going uh, to hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, but how cool would it be? What if I did get hurt? You were it, going to Randy the Ram Robinson wh- yourself. What, what if I uh, broke my spine and became a paraplegic? We, I would laugh. First off, we and could then in, care for it. <laughs> we could install an elevator. No more stairs here. Second, it would be good for the podcast. I'd have a story we could talk about. Anyway, I'm not going to be herding cattle. That seems like too far a bridge. Well, to if count. you lose the stairs, you're going to lose a roommate. <laughs> <laughs> the inside joke for four people. Yeah, there you go. We always appreciate them. <laughs> anyway, uh, this film, everybody talks about in the director's real life. He kind of always had an urgency. He never really stuck around. He wasn't great with his marriages. And he always kind of felt like not at home, you know, the Rolling Stone, as they say. And uh, it carries over into this film. This film is dripping with paranoia. Actually, uh, it harkens back to a poet laureate of our time, uh, Harvey Danger, when he said, paranoia, paranoia, everybody's coming to get me, which is uh, the best way to explain this film, as literally everybody in this fucking movie at some point wants to kill him. And we open up. Beautiful cinematography. Um, we got a shout out to James Wong Howe. He's like a prolific cinematographer. Looks beautiful. But again, I don't think I would push this movie on people because it's so cute in a weird way. Like we get in, we open up very noir, uh, dark, 
we're in the desert, a ruined uh, ranch, and a lady rides up on a horse, and he, uh, she meets um, Terrell's boy, uh, what Robert Mitchum, and uh, Terrell's boy. I'm sorry, Clark's boy. Sorry, I'm the reading and hell? talking. What in the hell? So, no, I honestly, I think Terrell would fucking hate this movie. I don't even think he could approach it. Yeah, but like, uh, in what world does Terrell <laughs> know Robert Mitchum? Honestly, I guarantee you, he skips this part of the segment every time of the show. Um. No, but Robert Mitchum and they meet in a burnt out ranch and we jump into a flashback. This flashback is very young children. Uh, it's him when his family's dead. A lady laying on the floor picks him up from under a bed and takes her uh, takes him to her house and then tells her children. She has a boy and a girl that, hey, he's staying with us probably forever. Get, learn to like it. Then we skip a little bit of time. It's clear that him and his adoptive brother, they do not get along. And him and his sister, they get along great. And uh, we spend a lot of time here. And it gets creepy because the rest of this movie is about how he's in love with his sister. And she professes that she's been hiding it for a long time. And she would walk through the house at night and think of him in his bed and then go to her. And it's like, what are we doing? Okay. Also, uh, light spoiler. I know that's one of the things we like to well, do. Well, that's, that's not uncommon in the noir. Universe. Not at all. No. And uh, also very common is she tries to kill him after they get married beautifully shot scene if you're gonna watch this movie skip ahead to that part just go to the wedding play it from there uh again nobody shows up at the wedding because they're pariahs at this point because there's an incest theme here that nobody talks about it's it's cool i mean you know one of my favorite films is what pariah 3d i don't know where i want to go with that piranha (laughs) i know piranha but there is a movie called pariah that i fucking love pariah 3d it opens up with my neck my back dude I, it's the first thing you hear in that movie thank you so much yeah you know i was gonna i saw pariah i was gonna roll out here did you it's good yeah. i think i own it on blu-ray um cool i was gonna <laughs> it's just a thing you say when you have like three thousand movies you That's tell people true. you know i own it um i was gonna come in here and be like dude you should watch it i don't know i think you'd uh, drift what's the name of the picture again pursued pursued yeah from 1947 what a year um yeah i mean it's very noir like i think the thing about yellow sky is it's kind of like genre blended campy action like with a lot of interesting story in this one it's all just about how this family fucking hates this dude and his whole family's dead so everybody's like like literally people when he was a little kid riding a horse a grown-up came out on the ranch and started firing at him on the horse killed the horse but it's like that's the whole movie people just trying to kill this dude from the dark um beautiful cinematography though i uh i don't know this one it kind of took the steam out of my my noir train rolling but uh yeah i don't know at this point i'm begging thomas i'm like you gotta we gotta find him (laughs) we need a dvr report (laughs) but randy if you check these out let me know because i think you'll hang with them yeah yeah stuffy fs (laughs) san francisco critics i know would probably be into this but i don't know about our audience and what did you think? Oh, Oksana hardcore I, fell asleep during this movie. I saw some of it. I know I recognized the the actress that plays his sister. She's in Shadow of a Doubt, and she's in the movie from last week, I think. Oh, that's right. Huh. She was good, too. Yeah, but Oksana, Ingrid Bergman. I think Oksana made it like 15 minutes, and then we do this with this very cute thing. Like, if you know us and we, you hang out with us, we, it's very cute. It shows how much we love each other. Where I, I, I stare at her 
And she she knows I am. And then she opens her eyes and then she goes, I wasn't sleeping. I'm like, yeah, you were. And then we argue about that for a little bit. Shut and up. some light guilt. I, I lay some guilt on her and then she falls back to sleep. And then I stare at her again. You drugged me. <laughs> I did not drug you. What are you talking about? I wanted it was just late. Anyway, uh, Westerns in the Dust, I think, is the name of the segment. When you boil it all down, what does a man really need? Just a smoke and a cup of coffee. She just watched more Teresa Wright movies. That was her name. I don't know. I don't know if I can. <laughs> Old, like, 50s, like, musicals and romances, I, I can't. Like, I just can't get into them. I don't know, maybe if we went to the Stanford and they were like framing it by director or something, I could, but like, well, yeah. the Stanford's dead <sighs> currently. <laughs> All right, Randy, Michael. Yes, sir. Step up to the plate, son. All righty. I didn't put this on the dock, but uh, the Western noir segment uh, goes easily into lisps. And I, uh, we've talked about it here many a times, Clark and I, but I did finish the most recent season of Dicktown on FX. My man. Great show. Uh, had a very fun ending. The last episode uh, has joking references to Chinatown in the uh, plot of the show. And the very last thing you hear in the show is a clip that I have that is going to play right now. Forget it, kids. It's Dicktown. Love it. Hell yeah. So good. That voice is done by Steven Tobolowski. Oh, yeah, that's right. But yeah, great show. <laughs> great finale. I, uh, yeah, I was laughing by the end of it with that, that quote, and I felt like I needed to grab a clip of it, but wasn't sure if I'd be able to use it this week. Yep. Also, real quick, Russell, I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but I'll say it once again, because anytime I talk about Steven Tobolowski, we've got to talk about this. Um, Toblerone. The, the reason why... The band Radiohead has the name Radiohead is because of Stephen Tobolowski, because that was the name that David Byrne had for Stephen Tobolowski, because Stephen Tobolowski has this uh, innate ability to, um, I'd say I don't know what it is, but he, <laughs> he can do something most people can't do. And because of that, David Byrne, who he was hanging out with David Byrne and Tom York, and David Byrne called him Radiohead, and then Tom York's like, that's a good name for a band. <laughs> I hate that story. <laughs> Tune in next week. Besides finishing Dicktown, I did watch a movie that is on Mubi. Insert a cow sound here. And uh, it's called Dicktown. Zero Fucks Given. I know we don't have one uh, queued up. I just, I'm saying that we need to play one. Dude, please. Uh, yeah, I every week I'm like, I should probably pull that. And I'm like, Randy's never going to talk about movie all right, again. All right, all right, say it again, and then Oksana, give us your best move. Ready, uh, Randy, say movie of the week, and then Oksana, go. Go. This week I did watch a movie on movie.com. It's <laughs> exactly was what the, I was the expecting. The angriest moo. Uh, yeah. It's pretty good. I couldn't have done any better. <laughs> uh, it, the movie is called Zero Fucks Given, which is not a good title. Watch your language. It's a, a foreign movie. I'm not exactly sure where from, but it does feature uh, Adele Exarchufalos, who was in Blue is the Warmest Color, and Mandibles. She is the one that just screams every time she talks in Mandibles. Hell Mandibles! Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Adele Exarchufalos in this movie plays Cassandra, uh, who is a flight attendant. Um, and 
just kind of like wanders around in between like being a flight attendant because, you know, the schedule is really crazy and you're kind of in new countries uh, and new places like every day. So you see her just partying and kind of doing drugs and on Tinder and kind of just hooking up with people. And then one day she uh, she loses the job. Um, but it it goes very far into detail about like what flight attendants do kind of that I thought was kind of interesting. And I think she is the only like professional actor. I believe the rest of them are like first time actors or maybe have been in very few things. Um, so you, you kind of get like a, a little bit of a Sean Baker vibe, but a little more, I don't know, a little more foreign, a little different. Um, it's a, it's a little under two hours. Um, I didn't love the ending. It kind of just ends, but doesn't like have an ending. If that makes sense. Kind of like a, a indie movie problem where like, it doesn't know where to go sometimes. But uh, uh, Cassandra, the character played by uh, Adele, she is, she's great. I like to, you know, she's great in everything she's, she's been in, even though Mandibles was very goofy, she was very fun there. Um, she's very compelling, and, like, the story is interesting enough. It's very slice of life Um And like I said, the ending didn't really do it for me, but, um, yeah, if, like, one of the few people that listen to the show has a movie subscription, uh, should check it out. I want to watch it. It sounds good. I think you would like it. I I love it whenever there's like a movie that's just kind of like a period of somebody's life and there's no like strong ending. Because it's like, "Eh, well, it's not over. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm able to like criticize it in my head, but I didn't hate it. Like sometimes it works. And I think this one works, but there's probably ones that do it a little, a little lazier. I for a minute I you reminded me of that movie that used to play um at the Alamo all the time. They had the trailer where it was about a flight attendant who gets like obsessed with the dude in like Paris or something and she starts stalking him. What the fuck is that? Do you I guys remember that? I do. Wait, say it one more time. It, it's there's like a flight attendant who's flying around and she meets a dude in a bar and she keeps going back there and like tries to like continue dating him, but she's like obsessive. It looked like one of those like low budget, very beautifully shot highbrow indie film. Oh God, I'm wasting too much time on a movie. I have nothing. I think it's huh. called Flight Attendant. Oh really? That's a TV it's... show on HBO Max. <laughs> Unless the, I mean, it's a very generic title. It could be a movie too. Yeah, I don't know. It's there's a director who uh, I remember having a long conversation with about uh, with the old program director at the Alamo. And I was completely like smitten by the end of it. I'm like, I got to watch these. And that was one of the movies. And I'm like, I, I can't remember the title or anything. Not even enough to Google. And definitely not enough to bring up on this show. I apologize. I tried Googling. I couldn't find anything I besides know. the TV show. It's elusive, dude. If you know, email us at overlookhourpodcast at gmail. Are you, nope. Is that a bit? I don't know the email. Overlook hour. Oh, oh. There's <laughs> what no did I say? Podca- oh, there's no podcast. Hey, here's a question. When Sean's coming in hot, today. I know she's terrifying. <laughs> she she does not like it when I call her out and fall asleep. She gets very fucking angry, and I, I know you've seen it. Admitted it. I missed like three quarters of that movie. It was uh, an hour and forty <laughs> minutes long, too. So that's a lot of movie. Um, no, when when y'all do the hashtag for the podcast, what do you put? Hashtag butt. <laughs> okay, I, I don't hashtag things. Okay, no hashtag butt, Oxana. What do you do? Overlook Hour and podcast separately. I don't know. I have them saved. (laughs) See, and I do the Overlook Hour podcast. We are good at this. (laughs) I might have that in there, too, without the the. Holy fuck. All right. 
Yeah, Randy, help me out. Hook me up with the fucking movie PW, bro. I might be able to do that. As long as it's not the same as all my other passwords. I may have to change it. I definitely have that problem. And how much is movie? It can't be that much. Uh, It's probably like 10 bucks a month. Oh, what? And there's commercials too? No, no commercials. Oh, it has such a bad name. I just assumed there were commercials. (laughs) (laughs) Mooby, tooby, booby. Yeah. Luby. Luby. Randy, what else? We already talked about it last week, and I don't have much else to say besides it, but uh, I saw everything everywhere all at once last night and quite enjoyed it. Uh, I did think the two-hour and 15-minute runtime went by pretty quick. Um, but I think their their brand or genre of silliness, <laughs> I don't love. Oh, It takes me out of it too much like there was emotional moments but then it would sometimes be ruined by like a really goofy thing that i didn't love like i like silly comedy like i i love comedy bang bang yeah and stuff like that which is like very goofy but i don't know something about there it just feels like a snl sketch sort of at times and it takes me out of the moments that could have been a little more emotional yeah i hard disagree with that (laughs) i'm with you i'm with you um, I will say, and I didn't mention this in our review last week, there was one thing that I did not enjoy. Uh-oh. The the butt plug. Oh, okay. That uh, Yeah, it was oddly adult for a movie that felt like very family-friendly. And then they blurred it out. Oh, I know they yeah. were trying to be like funny there, but that felt um, Swiss Army Man yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. And you're right. When, it, when that briefly came up, one, I thought Jamie Lee was just going to be a cameo because it was so dumb. Yeah. But two, I was like, I hope we don't go in a weird direction of this now. And we didn't. Which, yeah, I don't, dude, it's, now that you point that out, it's really weird. I didn't like it. And it comes early, too. Uh, I feel like it was midway. Well, yeah. it's right when we get to the, uh, the um, tax talk. Right? I don't know. You know, the other thing well, is. Well, tis the season. Uh, that was 824, right? Yes. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Dude, again, another weird trailer for that movie. When I when I was going into it, I thought we were going to do like a minimal kind of like slice of life film that got a little weird. But dude, mm-hmm. that movie's like action packed fun. I yeah, I don't know. A twenty four in their fucking marketing. Not a fan. Randy, how many stars? I gave it four, but it's like a it's a light four for me. Light four. What it's is very that well made. It's entertaining and it went by fast. But yeah, I just I can't. I don't know. Some of their their silly stuff just takes me out. I did like the elements that uh, seemed like he was riffing on uh, Wong Kar Wai films. Okay, Randy, uh, again, we both gave it four, but here's where my weird rating system comes in. I feel like that's a perfect movie. Like if you want to make a, a, if you have scales out and one is marked art and the other is marked commerce, like we talked about, it is perfect. It's a good balance. It's going to make money and you could actually get people interested in film watching. It's a really good balance. And yet, for some reason, I don't like that balance. I like it to be more film or like more art than money. Sure. And I don't know if that comes from like a deep-seated contrarianism, where it's like, I don't want to be in a room of 400 people all cheering. Confirmed. Or if it's, I just like to be challenged a little bit more. Because the only part of that movie where I felt like a prisoner was when it was very cute at the end. And part of that was me repressing tears, but also it was like, I'm like, I get it. Let's move on. 
where, you know, that's kind of my problem with like, uh, I don't know, origin stories in superhero films Yeah, to make it like, I'm like, okay, I know what we're doing. Can we not spend 20 minutes here? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Randy, what, what do you think? What, what lost, uh, the one star for you? Just the humor? Yeah, I think so. I mean, honestly, if, if you're, if I'm relating it to you guys, I would almost, I could, I could, if I wanted to be uh mean, I could go three and a half. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) because now that I'm thinking about it, there is like it is a wholly original screenplay. And I know they, uh, you know, turned down the Marvel thing, but there is a lot of just like which I get in the tone of the movie. But there is a lot of just bad CGI that just (laughs) also took me out of it, too. So I was like, "Eh, I don't know. I don't love movies that like rely so heavily on CGI and stuff like that. But I mean, there's a lot of like good editing, just like you know, framing someone so that they're like in the exact same frame, but in like different oh yeah, know, universes and everything. That stuff I loved and is really cool and kind of like experimental, but I don't know. I didn't need all the CG stuff. <laughs> well, here's the other thing. CGI, I feel like the the way we approached CGI was just from a low point. And I mean, culturally, like it always looked fucking terrible for a long time. And now yeah. that it looks good, I think we approach it with only that measurement of like, how good does it look? Which I mean, what does that mean? Like, do you buy it? Do you think it's real? But I think like with Koji Shirashi, the dude who did Norai the Curse, a big theme with him is kind of confrontational CGI. Like you're supposed to see it and be kind of like, that is not of this world. And it's clearly like, it shouldn't belong in the frame. And I feel like the metaverse stuff you like, but here's the thing. I kind of am only half buying my argument here, but I think it's a cultural problem. Like, I don't even think we look at like CGI in like an art way, like artful way. Yeah. 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 That movie. You're right. That one shot where they used all those pictures and like, it felt like a lot too. Yeah. Like it went on for a long fucking time. Yeah. I don't know. It's cool. I'm a, I would have been more excited if you gave it three and a half. (laughs) <laughs> there it is it's three and a half gonna take it down a notch on letterbox.com randy the robot no tears no laughs randy anything else uh no nothing else i did just rent uh two blu-rays from videodrome today so i'll be talking about those tomorrow or er, next week february <laughs> 1957 jim a certified public accountant, and his wife, Harriet, a bookstore owner and child psychologist, adopted a child, which they named him Michael. Michael grew up in Los Angeles, California, and immediately had a love of film. In his early childhood years, You're an idiot. Michael, gra- <laughs> Michael grabbed... His mother Harriet's Super 8 camera. And he grabbed his father's toy train set. And he grabbed some bottle rockets. He set off the bottle rockets inside the toy trains and filmed it. Subsequently calling the fire department and getting him grounded. (laughs) That was the first film he made. Since then, Michael Bay is pretty much doing the same thing. He's putting fireworks on trains and filming it. And I love that. Ambulance. I saw last night. Let's talk about it. Oh, yeah. You forgot to mention in that bio uh, that he's the death of cinema. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to do what I can today to 
disavow that argument. Oh, okay. Not really, but I just, Michael Bay is, (laughs) he's necessary. I, Michael Bay, say what you will. He is a punchline. I have used him as a punchline and probably will continue to use him as a punchline. However, you cannot argue the fact that he is an important landmark in the history of film. Can you? Oh, no, he definitely is. He changed the blockbuster. He's the one blemish in the Criterion Collection. Eh, (laughs) Come on. Hey, their words, not mine. (laughs) For for the rock or Armageddon? You were there with me, right? I was there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. when they're like, yeah, you know, we have Michael Bay movies. Uh, Sorry. Everybody's got to make a dollar. He killed cinema. I wish I could hold a dollar from Mr. Michael Bay. I'd buy that for a dollar. Thank you so much. Not true, I haven't. Do you own any Michael Bay? I don't know. You don't have The Rock? No. Armageddon? Uh, bad Boys? No. Pain I don't, and Game? I uh, you know what? I think I might have Bad Boys. I think I I recently got a large donation of DVDs that is in the garage. It's probably in there. Let me tell you something right now. I love Bad Boys. I, it, I think it's in there. Who doesn't love Bad Boys? I, I saw bad, for, bad Boys for Life in theaters. Well, my dad's called me a good boy, <laughs> if you want to <laughs> yes, call back. <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs> Ambulance just released this past Friday. Uh, director Michael Bay. We've got Jake Gyllenhaal. We've got Yahya Abdul Mateen II, also known as Candyman 2.0. Fuck yeah. We've got Isa Gonzalez. We've got my boy Garrett Dillahunt. I haven't seen him in a while. Um, I don't know if I've seen Garrett Dillahunt in a movie since. Um, Looper. What has he been in? I'm looking around. He has been in a bunch of shit I have not seen. Oh, he was in that show Hand of God. Never saw that. Yeah. No, I haven't seen him since Looper, which was 10 years ago. So I was happy to see Garrett Dillahunt back. He's great. He's still got it. Uh, and then we also have a guy who looks exactly like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh. It is not Stone Cold Steve Austin. I did some minor research. Turns out it's the cousin of Danny McBride. What the <laughs> hell? Um, yeah, what is that actor's name? Uh, I can't find it. He's not the main caster. It looks just <laughs> like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Also, we've got uh, musician Wale is in this, who does a great job as Castro, who is just his portrayal of a worthless employee will hit home with everyone. I He was great. He was one of the highlights of the movie. He's the comedic relief. Uh, he's great. All right, let's get into Ooh, it. Oh, you got A. Martinez in there. Oh, yes, A. Martinez as well, who uh, plays Poppy. Yeah, and if you don't know that name, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I didn't either. He's just, he's one of those character actors. You know that face. Yeah. He's been in 141 movies. You may not know the name, but you know that face. <laughs> no, he's on the Kroll show. And, and if you can says, imagine, he plays a mafia boss. Yeah, I know. He's one of those ethnic castings. Yes. <laughs> That's... Here is the summation of the film from the International Movie Database. Two robbers steal an ambulance after their heist goes awry. Guys, that's what this movie is. Cool. There's no way. There's Here's what I loved about this film. We get about 15 minutes of setup, and then we're off to the races, and we stay in the races the entire movie. There's no beeline 
there's no secondary storyline that they keep going back to to keep to kind of you know balance yeah. the action. We're in the thing for a solid two hours. The runtime's two hours sixteen. We're full throttle for two hours, um, and it works. I really enjoyed this. Um, essentially, what we've got is we've got Jake Gyllenhaal and Candyman 2.0, and they are brothers. Now, as we all know, they have different levels of melanin in their skin. They are not biological brothers, but they grew up together, and they had the same father. Now, that doesn't happen. But throughout the movie, we <laughs> learned that their father was a legendary bank robber oh and he also had quite the temper on him and <gasps> he would kill some motherfuckers and so will who is Candyman 2.0 mm-hmm. he goes into the military danny becomes a very successful bank robber also has some sort of shady sports car uh restoration shop which we don't really understand he just has this giant warehouse of cars and he has boo koodles of money oh and also he's a world-class criminal <laughs> what is he leno um jake gyllenhaal is at peak jake gyllenhaal here he plays a wildly charismatic guy who really doesn't care about other people, but he does have a connection to his brother. Oh, call him Danny Darko. And he doesn't want to kill people, but he will. (laughs) And um, Will is, uh, he's got a wife, he's got a newborn son. Keep her name out of your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. I should have saw that coming. You teed it up. I did. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'd have been disappointed if you didn't when I listened back to this. Um, his wife is very sick. <laughs> Alopecia? And the <laughs> and uh, insurance, insurance, <laughs> insurance will not cover for her sickness. Okay? The movie opens up him trying to call the insurance company. He's speaking with a robotic person on the phone. He's saying, can I get your name? I'm Agent 13. Fuck yeah. He said, oh, that's funny. I talked to Agent 12 and Agent 14 yesterday. <laughs> well, I'm Agent 13. Right then and there, uh, you know, you know where we're headed. Yeah. And um, the insurance does not cover the experimental surgery that his wife needs to take. So he needs money. He needs about $250,000. So he goes and sees his brother, Danny. And Danny's like, I don't have the money, but I got a job. And the job is right now. What is that job? Robbing a bank. Oh, yeah. And they're in the middle of it. And he said, just, you know, grab a gun. Let's go. And Will is hesitant to do so, but he needs the cash. And they're going to rob, I believe, $32 million. Ooh. That's sitting in a bank. So they go into the bank. Now, then we go with a different perspective. Now we're in a cop car, and we got two cops. Got a white cop, got a black cop. Young, good-looking cops, very nice cops. They're talking about life. And... The thing is, they had just left the bank, and the white cop says he wants to ask the girl out on a date, the bank teller, okay? Her name is Amy. I can't confirm her name is Amy. Let's just call her Amy. I forgot her name. Schumer? Amy Schumer is the bank teller, (laughs) which is odd that someone would want to ask her out on a date. (laughs) And the black cop's like, man, you just got to do it. And then he he says the quote from The Rock about fucking the prom queen. Oh. And then the white cop is like, wait, The Rock was a wrestler, not a movie. 
So already within the first 10 minutes of the film, Michael Bay's, Michael Bay's making references to his previous movies. Mm-hmm. Yay. They go back into the bank because the guy's now going to ask the girl on to a date. Oh, she's a teller. She's a teller. Oh, where's he, Penn? He goes into the bank. <laughs> he goes into the bank. Jake Gyllenhaal opens the door. Heist is already going on. Ooh. Bank is closed, my friend. Cop wants to come in. Jake Gyllenhaal reluctantly lets him into the bank and lets him ask out the girl on a date. The girl has a gun pointed <laughs> at her behind the counter. The cop doesn't know. The cop is talking to Jake Gyllenhaal before he goes to the bank. He's like, you know, I want to ask this girl out on a date. Do you happen to know her last name? Jake Gyllenhaal does not work at this bank. Yeah. He does not know this woman's last name. He knows the woman is Asian, so he says that her last name is Park. Okay. He goes to the teller, talks to her, asks her on a date. The girl, obviously, pretty stressed out because she's got a shotgun pointed at her ribcage. And then he looks at the the name plaque there. Her last name is not Park. Oh, fuck. Puts two and two together. Jake Gyllenhaal points a gun at his head. (laughs) Welcome to Ambulance. From that moment on, we're in the movie. Um... And then, I mean, the amount of explosions in this thing, (laughs) if you can imagine, it's ramped up. He gets real cute with the camera work at the beginning. We scale down too many buildings. We get a lot of drone shots. For the most part, it did not annoy me. Now, there were a couple parts there where we get some car chase scenes where you get very disoriented with the editing. I get very particular with car chase scenes because I feel like you know, we're cutting corners here. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to stay as real as possible in this. Yeah, long You shot. know what I mean? Yeah. We don't get a ton of that. Um, we do in some parts, but, you know, um, for the majority of this movie, Candyman 2.0 is driving the hell out of this oh, ambulance. Oh, rad. So Damn it. I don't... They actually hijack an ambulance to try to get out of there. Now, inside the ambulance is the white cop who was shot, and he is not doing too well. <laughs> And um, the female uh, paramedic is played by Isa Gonzalez. She's great. Also, very easy to look at. Beautiful girl. <laughs> Fantastic. She's great. And uh, got a l- she's a little spicy. Kinda she got a little bit of an attitude on her. And we get a little <laughs> bit of backstory with her at the beginning because she's a great paramedic. Best in Los Angeles. No one wants to be her partner because she's a dick. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and she goes toe to toe with these bank robbers. Well, you know, a lot of things happen here. They actually have to do an, uh, a surgery in an ambulance at 60 miles an hour. Um, that's a scene that is, is wild. They actually, she FaceTimes a guy she used to date who's a surgeon. She's like, how do I remove a spleen? He's like, you can't do that. You're not a surgeon. And she's like, well, I have a gun to my head. Yeah. And then Jake Gyllenhaal's like, hey, bud, I'm going to kill your girl if <laughs> oh, you don't no. fucking tell us how to do this. <laughs> Is that how he acts? Kind of. Oh, he's God. good, though. He's really good. So he's like a Ben Shapiro ben- robbing a bank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill your girlfriend. God. Um, and also, but the guy's like, I don't know. Let me get some other surgeons. So they have three surgeons. The other two surgeons... Guys, I don't know if they're actors because they're fucking terrible. Oh, I hope they're real surgeons. That'd be cool because yeah. they have zero charisma. Good, zero. One can barely speak. <laughs> I love it. One could barely speak, 
and they're both at a golf course and they're walking her to how to do surgery. He's like, all right, what do you got to do? And then of course, when it happens, they pulled it. The spleen explodes, by the way, that's gross. Um, It's great. All right. They're running around. It's a very Los Angeles movie. We get a lot of downtown LA here. I mean, we are following this ambulance all out. You know, while you were talking about, I know nothing about the movie other than uh, everybody seems to be really enjoying it. But in my head, I kept imagining it was here in like San Francisco. And, you know, it'd be cool because all the hills. Is there a lot of like hill action? Do we get a lot of flying? No. Man, that's the problem with LA. But we drive down the LA River. Yeah helicopters going under the bridge i mean okay, right next to cool. it. it's really good i you know and you mentioned his editing earlier and how there's not a lot of long like shots also minimal lens flares okay good there's a little that's fine i mean if you're gonna have like a visual hallmark that's his thing i know um but the editing that's where i that's my real problem with michael bay is they feel like fucking somebody with tiktok brain made them and i get that it probably helps the movie like just being quick and punchy for two and a half hours. But man, I like to try and get lost in the movie when I watch it. And like with that kind of shit, I start to like burn out. I'm like, you know, it, it kind of forces me to be more casual. When no young said it's better to burn out than fade away. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, dude, I would love to watch an elaborate like car movie. Like, and I keep thinking about a uh, fucking sorcery now because we've been talking about it. Sorcerer. Sorcerer. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I'm, uh, I don't know. Do you think I'd like this one? I think you'd hate the first 15 minutes. <laughs> oh. But then once we get going. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, man, it's fun. It's exactly what I want. Also, they make a Formula One reference. Oh, my God. Enjoyed the hell out of that. <laughs> they they give a name drop to Lewis Hamilton. And she's like, well, I think your, your ambulance driver's Lewis Hamilton. And then Garrett Dillahunt, who's playing the head of the police there, trying to get everything organized. He's like. Who is that? Is that a basketball player? She's like, he's a he's the world champion Formula One driver. Formula One's for fancy folks. She'd <laughs> <laughs> be like, wait, you don't have Netflix? It's good. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, man, I enjoyed the hell out of this thing. All enjoyed right. the hell out of it. Now the ending. But don't oh, don't God. you dare. People are their hearts that, are palpitating right well, now. They, thinking they, gonna... they go toward the happy ending there. They of course all right, know, all right. try that... to get as much happy ending here as possible. They go to a massage parlor. Yes. <laughs> I'm in. They I must win Thursday night. <laughs> Dude. Uh, I don't know how much I can talk about it, but uh, last week, me and Oksana went to a kava bar, which is a, um, if, I'm, if I'm correct here, I could be completely wrong, is a uh, Fijian root that they make like tea out of that's supposed yeah. to give you a kind of like CBD, but like more intense, like. You down with CBD? You know yeah, me. You know Thank me. You. Um, you know you're supposed to have like an intense, like it's almost like a muscle relaxer. Like your body chills, and it, it, you're not getting high. But like we went there with our buddy, uh, one of our East Bay cinematographer friends, who a uh, good hour and a half talking about massage parlors <laughs> and <laughs> an idea for a found footage film that he would uh, do with them and uh, talking about logistically if the triads would be mad if uh, somebody snuck in a camera. So uh, this kind of counts as a eulogy for my good friend who I won't name in case the triads are listening, <laughs> but uh, yeah, a lot of massage parlor talk. Oksana was a little, uh, 
she was like, uh, it's weird. When people go to massage parlors, we tend to hear about it a lot. Because he's not the only one who's told us. But yeah. <laughs> again, that's the end of tangent. I think you've sold me on Michael Bay. Uh, I refuse to buy anything Criterion puts out by him because it is a travesty and it hurts that platform of the most highbrow uh, critics and voice of cinema in history. So um, until Ninja Turtles gets a Criterion release, they are hypocrites. I mean, and also, you know, I'm a sucker for a heist movie. Yeah, I'm kind of into cars right now, like on film, not driving them. Although I do drive a car like I'm on film and I'm fucking tearing it up F1 style. There are a lot. A, let me let me be very clear. A lot of exploding cars. I do like a car explosion. Also, we've got multiple ambulance explosions. Ooh, God, how much money in this movie? I don't know, but honestly, I think it it's cheaper than it looks. It looks really good. Okay. It looks really good. Yeah. And this is a this is a big production. It says 40 mil, which isn't that insane compared no. to Let me just like Marvel. Now. It feels like a $100 million movie. No question. Yeah, I'm just worried about the editing. Wasn't an issue for me. All right. Wasn't an issue. All right, I'm sold. I don't should I see it in the fucking theater, though. Randy, are you going to oh. go? Yeah, I almost went on Thursday. I'll probably go sometime this week. Let me be very clear. Mm-hmm. Don't see this at your home. Go to the theater. Oksana. She's in. She wants to go. I'm down. She looks bored. She's like, I don't give a fuck about this. I'd, I'd go again. It, just, it sounds stressful. <laughs> in like, not necessarily a fun way. All right. Well, we'll if, gum up. Let's get it. We'll date night. We'll flip a coin. Uh, heads, we go to ambulance. Tails, we go to Morbius. <laughs> what a grim story. <laughs> you know his name is Michael Morbius? Oh, fuck yeah. Michael Bay Morbius, dude. <laughs> On Sunday night. <laughs> We finished our trilogy. Of, now, I, I, granted, these two gentlemen may have worked more. Now, Russell, if, if you know this information, please enlighten me. But, I don't believe they do. Um, or they did. Herman Yao and, oh God, Anthony, I'm losing my mind. Anthony Wong. Wong, yeah. There we go. Herman Yao and Anthony Wong uh, are prolific actors and prolific uh, directors. Dude, have you looked at, at Herman Yao's IMDb page? I mean, this man is knocking on Takashi Miike numbers. Oh, yeah. He has 76 uh, director credits. Yep. I mean, prolific. All of them are feature films. Yeah. This dude cranks them out. Um, so months ago, we we started going into this because, you know, we wanted to go into... Um, Let's be honest. You had a weird itch that you needed to scratch where you wanted to watch brutal film. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where that would. Why did well, that happen? Well, I, I wanted I wanted a little more exposure in the Cat Three world. Well, I think it even started with um, what was that movie we watched at the Roxy that was beautiful? Uh, Taxidermia. Taxidermia. Yeah. Which let me be, let, let's also be very clear. One of my favorite films of all time now. Yeah, it's good. Taxidermia <laughs> is incredible. Yeah, but we what did I show you? Untold Story. I think the uh, unearthed release came out. Yes, and we watched that. So. Uh, that came out in 1993. You know what else came in 1993? Taxi Hunter. Mm. We, I thought that Ebola syndrome was after that, but actually, so we kind of went out of order here. Uh, so the first um, that this pair did together was the eight, Immortal, the eight Immortals Restaurant, The Untold Story in 1993. 
Um, then in 1996, uh, we talked about the Ebola syndrome. And now we're going to close that out with 1993's Taxi Hunter. Um, now, as we talked about, these are category films from Hong Kong um, with uh, lead actor Anthony Wong. Mild-mannered businessman Anthony Wong's life is shattered when his pregnant wife is run over by a busy taxi driver. Mm. This and another incident with a sleazy cab driver causes Wong to go on a mission to kill bad taxi drivers. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. Give it to me. Uh, run over, uh, you know, conjures up an image. She of, was not run over. She was dragged by a taxi. <laughs> yes. I was thinking Tom Six at the end of, uh, you know, um, what the hell is that movie called? Human Centipede 2. Here's the thing. I think that we... We saw this in an interesting order because, you know, we start with the untold story. The yeah. untold story actually won like the Oscars of Hong Kong that year. That was the most heralded movie. The untold story is brutal. It's brutal. Very brutal. Followed up by then we saw the Ebola syndrome. Yeah. Which is equally as brutal. Yeah. Um, Almost over the top. Though. Yes. Yeah. And so now we thought we were building up towards <laughs> Taxi Hunter. Taxi Hunter is unlike these other. There are a ton, a ton of similarities between an untold story, the untold story, and the Ebola syndrome, right? Yeah. A lot of similarities. Anthony Wong plays a character very similar to both of those. He is unhinged in both films. Yep. He both works at a restaurant. He both has terrible hygiene, um, and he rapes. <laughs> A lot of similarities between those two. Taxi Hunter is 180 degrees from this. We have a very mild manner, Anthony Wong. Even when he is killing people, he is still a likable character here. The amount of depth we get from Anthony Wong is incredible. I mean, honestly, I think he is one of the best actors um, that we have that I think that 99% of American audiences have no interaction with his work whatsoever. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And they're missing out because this guy is an incredible, incredible talent. You know, the amount of range in him is unbelievable. He's fantastic. And I think the thing that really makes this film, like, honestly, if you went Taxi Hunter into Untold Story, you would get like kind of the close family dynamic, but also the brutal like uh, events that will happen in Ebola syndrome. Like it's a perfect inner. Yeah. We went, we kind of started at the middle, went all the way to the end and then came back, which honestly, I think really we were both shocked Yeah, because there's a lot of actual moving, like kind of drama stuff in here. You still get the same goofy fucking cops though. Like it's almost goofy. like last house on the left style. Like, yeah, like dumb imbeciles. Uh, they're wearing mixed match um, American sport team. Like, memorabilia i don't know it's great i he loved wore all of it every piece of merchandise that the chicago bulls released in 1993 dude and you get kind of like a polanski type story where there's a weird there's a weird element of their community where they just have a problem with fucking rude power hungry taxi drivers and yeah. it, it almost feels like a direct political statement like where it's like hey there's a problem here we're gonna make a movie about it it's fucking ridiculous. I think the taxi drivers, you know, you run up to the taxi and you're like, hey, can you drive me here? And they're like, uh, no, I don't want to. Or, yeah, but I don't want to. So it's going to cost you a hundred more dollars. Yeah, or, or it's like, 
oh, hey, I'm going to drive you down an alley and try and rape you. Like, these dudes are fucking gnarly. Yeah. So it's almost like you get this weird Polanski story, but then the main character is like from fucking uh, uh, Falling Down. It's almost like a Michael Douglas kind of like, I quit reality. And- it is and it isn't because with Anthony Wall's character, you feel for him. Like he lost, oh, for sure. he lost everything he had and it's not so much a vengeance. I mean, it is a vengeance, right? Because oh, yeah. He, yeah. he is acting at a, you know, it's a reactionary thing, but he also feels that he is making the world a better place and he's trying to rid an evil here. I, you know, I think we thought that because he's kind of like, the problem is if you're, uh, you never lose sympathy for him. No. And, and uh, I mean, if we're going to compare it to fucking uh, falling down, he never loses his job. He actually <laughs> takes vacation time. Yeah. And he does it the right way. And he's the best at that job. And they're kind of like, hey, we can tell you're going through something. Yeah. Take as much time yeah. as you want. You need a year. Take a Dude, year. Dude, how shocking was that? Because, you know, clearly he's not coming to work. He's not doing well um, in the mental department. His best friend or his only friend is a cop. Who is his look- brother. Who is his brother who's looking for him. It doesn't know he's a killer. And then he goes to the office and he's sitting there with his boss and he's kind of telling him like, hey, dude, I don't know what's going on. You're, but your wife did just die. And we're like, oh, he's going to fire him anyway. He's like, go ahead. Take as much time as you need. Shocking. But uh, he's totally in the wrong. I mean, he is just on a revenge course, but it's like they're all shitty. And you did kill a dude who was about to rape somebody. Yeah. It's like it's hard to like. I don't know. I'm still rooting for you. No, don't get me wrong. There's violence here. There's plenty of death. There's even a little bit of a rap. <laughs> but the amount of violence and, you know, uh, gore, grotesque nature is on a completely yeah. different plane. It's way scaled back. Than the other two. And so I think that when, you know, we were waiting on the taxi death, right? And then when the taxi death happened, we were like, that's it? Or like, did she die? Because because <laughs> the prerequisite that we have from Herman Yao is gnarly stuff. Dude, that's why. And we don't get that here. I um, I instantly thought Tom Six, like I mentioned earlier, and yeah. at, where I thought a car was going to crush this lady and a baby was going to pop out and get crushed by another car. 100%. And then intestines were going to wrap around a window yeah. and then hook somebody's neck because and drag them through. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, she got dragged and then rolled into a gutter, which almost is like the thing Ebola syndrome does for you is it's so fucking crazy that it's really easy to be removed from it. Oh, yeah, because it is beyond over the top. You're like, dude, Randy, one would call it Unga Pachka. <laughs> <laughs> dude, there's fucking lions in Ebola syndrome. There's rape that turns into an STD plague. It, like it's it's cartoon. This one, the lady, her dress gets caught in a taxi driver's cab who's driving away, drags her like 100 feet, and she rolls into a gutter, and she dies in the operating table at the hospital. And it's like, oh, that's kind of fucked. Yeah. Because, you know, also the option to our character is like, just move on. Like, that's on the table. Like, this was really shitty, but you could probably sue that company and uh, just continue. But thankfully, he didn't. I don't know. I this movie is the most scaled back. Like I don't know if I would invite a bunch of people over and get like a thirty pack of Tecate and be like, "We're about to party," because it's not that movie. But it's accessible. Oh, for sure. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily call, and the untold story and most certainly the Ebola syndrome accessible. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, 
It's a different thing. Like, I remember Untold Story because literally I was invited over a friend's house and we watched a movie he had rented from a small video store. And we're like, holy fuck. And then, you know, you go down a rabbit hole. But this one, I you watch it with the family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I loved I love Taxi Hunter. Dude, it's great. Um, yeah. It's it's really a bummer too. Like, uh, not to get too David Lynch, but just to think of like culturally where Hong Kong could have gone. And, you know, even reading some of the um historical text about their movie industry at the time, it felt like this was kind of like done, like this whole crazy arc thing, but like the cat three in general, but I don't know. You you never know. I'd I'd definitely be interested to to watch, you know, more Herman Yao and uh certainly more Anthony Wong. Yeah, you know, why not? I mean we should probably just do that. In my head, I had just assumed that any great director that I'm kind of late to is dead. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, oh yeah, they had a great career and you missed it. But uh yeah, when you said to pull him up on IMDb, I'm like, no, he's still got two movies in the works Dude, right now. He's he's cranking. And he only had one short in what looks like decades of work. And uh, it's called Fried Glutinous Rice. <laughs> so I'd even be interested in watching that. I mean, he made his first film in 1987. And uh, he's still cranking out today. And he has done 76. Yeah, I mean, I'm down. I am kind of bummed. Like, again, Taxi Hunter, we could have watched this a while ago. But whenever I really like a director and like what they're doing, I do not like to shut out any chapter of their like filmography feel a little bittersweet about this one but also herman yeah looks fucking cool do you see his profile picture yeah rocking the long hair like it y'all should get on it <laughs> randy gave a look all right russell john no that's it i only had taxi hunter so we're good you got nothing else no i uh, it's been a work of like this week has been creative week so yeah i haven't Prove seen it. shit but i mean i might add fucking ambulance now Honestly, I doubt I'm going to be able to see it. Unless somebody comes out of the woodworks, because Oksana's not pumped. But if somebody came over and like, dude, let's go. Like if Jasadi showed up and was like, dude, you know what I want to do? I want to go see that movie. Jasadi would be down. I'd be down, but I don't know. I feel like everyone's already seen it who would have done that. That is true, too. I am interested to go to that new theater, though, over by, um, where you said it by Stonestown? Yeah. Yeah, I want to go check out that place. Very few people have said they want to check out Stonestown. The mall's going away too, right? I guess. Whatever. We don't have to talk. Well, all the malls are going away. Maybe they, it's time. It, yeah, thank <laughs> you. The mall's in the metaverse now, dude. Come on. Oh, God. oh snap. Yeah, there, there's a metaverse out there that we need to try and find a wormhole to where the malls are still thriving. There's a homeless person in the metaverse now, apparently. The first one. Oh, there's also a sexual assault in the metaverse as well. <laughs> Jesus. Wait, what is this bit? <laughs> no, this is real. Yeah, this is real life. This is real stuff. Oh, are you talking about like the, the group of dudes that like assaulted that lady in the metaverse? Yeah, someone got raped in the metaverse. Yeah. Uh, you should read that story. It's pretty interesting. Well, because, yeah. Interesting character, that lady. Well, don't rape in the metaverse and don't rape in this verse. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Any notes? Oksana, we got any bookkeeping before we say goodbye? Um, Metaverse experts reveal if you can murder someone in the virtual world, virtual world, and whether you can be punished. (laughs) What headline? Oh my god! (laughs) Okay. All right. The news segment is cut. (laughs) No more news from you. All right, Randy, take us home. 
Oh, it's back to me again. I don't know. Have a good week. Listen to us next week. Do everything I do. I say that I do everything that I say in the outro after this. Uh, subscribe our show, rate it, give it five stars only or one. I would say nothing in between. Give us one or give us five. It's like, you know, it's like us with movies. It's either five star or one star, you know. Are you on speed? <laughs> no, I was just trying to uh, make up for not being prepared. We'll see you next week. Kiss some Gatorade. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Statt. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.